This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Coming up this hour, how can we have more effective conversations about race? Plus, we learn about one Chicago group finding unique ways to unlock funds for rebuilding their communities. But first, more migrants are expected to arrive in Chicago. We've welcomed nearly 1,200 so far. And when they get here, they have needs that just can't wait. They need somewhere to stay. They need to eat. They sometimes need clothes. And often the most urgent, they need medical attention. And Chicago healthcare professionals are rallying to meet the moment. Joining us now is Natalie Ragu. She's a medical director at Erie Family Health and a family nurse practitioner. Hi, Natalie. Welcome to Reset. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So you helped care for some of the people that are seeking asylum, and they've arrived here recently. How did you and Erie get involved? So, you know, one of the cornerstones of the mission at Erie Family Health is that we believe that health care is a human right. Um, and so we were contacted by the city public health department um, and that there was a large number of um, refugees coming and needed care and someone to support that. And so, you know, we were able to mobilize and um, provide the care that they were needing. Let's talk about what happens after these people arrive. What's the first thing that you do and and how how does that process usually work? Sure. So um, in this setting, really, we want to triage those individuals at highest need for health care. Um, so one of the things is um, we had a nurse um, when they first arrived um, in the shelter um, after seeking asylum from their countries um, when they were dropped up at Union Station, really triage what their health needs are. Um, we were able to bring um, health care provider staff from Erie Family Health Center um, to, into those shelters to support those health screenings um, to really identify what were acute needs and what were um, chronic needs that we could support later on. Um, additionally, one of the things that we were able to do really within, you know, a very short period of time is to create a clinic within our Erie Health West Town location mm-hmm. where we are able to screen and provide health care for those who were brought on subsequent buses. Yeah, let's talk about that bus ride. It is a long journey for these folks, two months long uh, for, for many of them. I'm thinking of the last bus ride that I took, which was minutes long, and that was uncomfortable, right? And these folks are coming here after an often dangerous trek to, to get across the border, right? We've read reports here of individuals and, and families that have actually been on the road walking for days, walking through rainforests. What stories are you hearing from them directly? So, you know, one of the things that we're seeing is the effect on, you know, children, women, and adults of this long trek. And then in addition to that, taking this um, bus journey even further away from where they're from, we're seeing a variety of health conditions that need to be addressed. As in children, we're seeing, you know, the normal things you would see like respiratory infections and GI infections, but we're also seeing um, skin infections, fungal infections, wounds, even fractures. Um, and these people are also experiencing on this arduous journey malnutrition. We have infants who are severely underweight from this. That's not to mention the trauma that they experience from physical um, abuse and mm-hmm. a large portion of the women that we care for experience um, sexual violence as well. Yeah, this tracks with a conversation I had last week on the program. We talked with Laura Mendoza, who's an organizer with the Resurrection Project. She's also been working with the arriving migrants, and she noted 
some of these similar medical needs. Let's listen. What we are seeing is definitely a lot of dehydration, um, swollen legs, like extremely swollen legs. Sometimes just like scratches from like all of the, the journey that they've had or like injuries, on, especially on their legs. Do you know, Natalie, if the migrants are getting any treatment in Texas before they're being put on buses to come here? Um, it, it, from my experience and the patients that I cared for, um, once they arrived, they did not. Um, some of them had noted that they were able to get care here and there um, on their way up through um, Central America um, and some other countries. The majority of the um, individuals I saw were from Venezuela. Um, but no, none of the patients that I um, had contact with were given um, health care when they arrived in Texas that I I'm mean, aware of. And we're talking about swollen legs, right, as mentioned in that mm-hmm. tape, dehydration. Yeah. Sounds like Texas should have handled that. No? There definitely was an opportunity where care could have provided um, and access could have been provided um, sooner than, you know, arriving here in Chicago. But, you know, we were happy to be part of the solution and really providing these patients with high-quality health care, but also for their social needs, yeah. really things like emergency dental issues, um, critical access to prescriptions for chronic health conditions for some of the older adults, um, and then things like infant supplies food for infants that were malnutritioned, um, things of that nature. Yeah. I mean, it just sounded to me like it would make your process even more complicated, right? Yes, definitely. Once they you get know, here. Um, our health center, we're used to, you know, providing care for the underserved in our communities, um, but it's very clear that these asylum seekers um we're in much higher need, definitely some coordination, um, addressing some, you know, urgent medical issues like dehydration and wounds and fractures would have definitely served this um, population of um, asylum seekers better. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and we are talking about the health needs of migrants arriving in the city. Our guest today is Natalie Ragu with Erie Family Health. So I imagine, Natalie, that beyond these physical medical needs. A lot of these folks need psychological support too. What are you seeing yeah. and hearing? Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, as we spoke about briefly earlier, the amount of um, not only the physical toll, but the trauma of the journey, um, being um, a vulnerable person, um, exposure to physical, mental, and sexual violence by a, a variety of these individuals has definitely demonstrated the need and um, Many of them show signs of uh, PTSD. So actually what we were able to do um, thanks to our behavioral health support is um, we have a model called collaborative care where we will be able to have behavioral health um, consultants, um, so therapists who were partnering with us when we were providing this care that we were able to warm handoff who screened all of our patients um, for depression, anxiety, any um, crisis symptoms, um, PTSD um, in their language of origin, Spanish, so that they were able to really, you know, even just maybe um, start the process of understanding that they were supported. But yes, yeah, definitely mental health needs for sure. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, it's just it's the toll. I'm, I'm trying to wrap my mind around the physical and mental toll that this must take for especially the young children who have no idea what's going on and where they are? 
Definitely. Um, you know, I, I'm kind of flashing back to the waiting area where um, the uh, asylum seekers were waiting to be seen and a variety of children there. And just imagining they're there, they came with their parents, their parents provided the best support that they could, you know, no toys, no books, um, you know, no extra clothing, um, and just kind of being disoriented into a new culture. Um, I think there's a variety of challenges for them. And, you know, we tried to provide support to the parents because a healthy parent also helps with a healthy child um, and also caring for the child's needs and toys and books and things of that nature as well. How do you navigate gaining their trust? I'm talking the kids and the adults. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So I think that um, one of the really cornerstones of this is we serve our patients in the um, language that they most prefer. And I think that's one way to gain trust. I think if individuals have identified that you're able to speak the language, um, that's kind of one level of trust. And I think um, it's something that definitely guarded, but um, one of the patients um, really clearly said, I have to accept the help because that's all I have. Um, And so it's not necessarily that they trust us, but that they have no other option. Mm. And so this is the the only support that they have right now. Desperation mode. Mm -hmm, Definitely, for sure. And we've seen, up to this point, we've seen nearly 1,200 migrants arrive in Chicago. We know that the city is expecting more. How does the number of people that are coming here change how you operate, Natalie? Definitely. So, you know, one of the goals of our organization was really to do our best to not affect our own operations because we have a variety of underserved patients that require our care as well. So um, we were able to rely on um, our providers outside of maybe their normal clinical time and um, some other clinical support. But the volume of individuals is definitely going to be an undertaking and um, the just the support um, from the number of providers to the number of support staff in a time where you know healthcare is chronically understaffed is something that I think will continue to be an issue. Um, one of the comp- uh, providers who was working in the clinic with me is um, their people kept coming. So, you know, you would be in a room with four people and then another bus would come with people. So really the amount of people who are seeking um, asylum from their home country in need of care is really vast. That's, that's wow. I'm trying to picture that for you, right? You're, you're, you're getting to the bottom of, of treating the folks that you have in front of you and then here comes another bus and then here comes another bus. Is that overwhelming? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it can be overwhelming, and um, as, you know, we provide care to, you know, the underserved that already are in our community, our healthcare providers definitely have been trained in this type of setting, but I think it's the unknown. I think it's the fact that buses are coming without coordination with our social services and our healthcare services because, you know, we can function at a much higher level if we were given notice to plan and kind of set up things. But the right. fact that there's so many unknowns, it makes it very challenging. Right. That, that's exactly what I'm thinking, right? It's no notice. And then here, this is this is what you have to deal with. So talk about what more you need then in terms of resources? Because it sounds like there might not be enough. There might not be enough hands on deck. So what do you need? Yeah, definitely. I think the first thing that, you know, we need as um, those who support these asylum seekers is 
resources of healthcare providers, resources of money so that we can, you know, provide, uh, pay those providers and clinical support staff to provide the care they need. I think shelter, for sure, supplies and food, those things, you know, are the basic social determinants of health that affect what's happening with these patients going forward. Yeah. And really, we need, you know, collaboration with those um states that are sending those individuals to us so that we can provide a level of care and expertise and even just coordination um, going forward would be really helpful in the process. For sure. You said something early on that really struck me. You said healthcare is a human right. Talk more about why this is a priority for you and for Erie Health, Health Center. Definitely. So, you know, at Erie, we really honor the dignity of all people and their right to high quality care and safe environment. So, Um, One of the things that really guides our mission is to serve those people, not only in our local communities, but also these asylum seekers. So one of the components of that is, you know, we all have the basic need and want to be live our healthiest lives and trying to support everyone and to move towards a space where that is equitable for these individuals and other individuals who are living in our communities as well. It really um, is one of the reasons I do the work that I do in in Erie Family Health as a federally qualified healthcare center and just think it's important um, for the health of all of us and all of our communities. You know, we've talked a lot about the services that you can provide immediately to these folks, right? Health screenings, triaging. I want to hear more about long-term. How do you follow up with them down the road and, yeah. and just kind of yeah. establish that continuing care? Because that piece is going to be yeah. really important. Definitely. So um, we have a couple of different um, ways in which we're doing this. So some of these asylum seekers actually choose to move from the Chicago area once they arrive, and some you know, go back to Texas or other states. For those who are choosing to reside while their asylum application is being reviewed, we have um, the asylum seekers that we cared for, we have provided them with establishing care at our healthcare organization for follow-up care. So um, at Erie, we provide um, from a newborn to um, older adults. Um, holistic primary care. Um, And so having those follow-ups and scheduling those, um, having them understand the process and accessing the pharmacy for medications, um, and then also support services from other, our social service agencies um, for housing and the other um, types of supplies that they need to remain healthy. So we have been able to connect those patients um, with our organization to continue for primary care who are um, staying on with us. So what do you want folks to know about your work, Natalie? Any misconceptions that you want to clear up about what it is that you're doing on a day-to-day basis? Definitely. Um, I think that um, these people that we're taking care of are all part of our community. They're people who you meet every day when you go in and order your food or um, you um, sit next to on your commute to work. And that we all, if, if nothing else, if the pandemic has taught us that our health is not only our own, but that it's a community and that we really need to strive to increase and improve the health of all of those individuals who reside in our community. Natalie Ragu is Medical Director of Advanced Practice Providers at Erie Family Health and also a family nurse practitioner. Thank you so much for your time and and the great work you're doing. Thank you very much.